How many of you guys were in the last session? Okay, just wondering. <laughs> we just we were just talking about the uh, the big picture of the song of the Lord and where I believe it's going with the stadium. I'll just kind of recap a little bit, and then I want to go through some practicals on how to prophetically sing and how to start and how do we get this ball rolling, so to speak. How many of you are musicians and singers? Again, I'm in good company. It's amazing how many singers and musicians I meet in this place. I love it. I love the fact that the Lord is raising up uh, singers and musicians. So we were just talking about how I believe that the song of the Lord has three different stages. And I'll just repeat those for you real quick. Um, There's the initial stage of the song of the Lord, which is where I believe that we are right now. It's the small, it's the day of smallness. It's the day of you and your two chords and your slightly off pitch voice and my slightly off pitch voice. You know, it's, it's the beginning stages when your heart's not really moving and you just, you kind of believe in it and you kind of are not sure. We're in the initial stages of it. And then there's the substantial, which I believe is presence worship. And that's where, that's where my passion has really been lately. I want to get from the initial stage and move into the substantial and move into the, the uh, presence worship when God actually shows up in the midst of our worship. And then there's the ultimate, which is the second coming. And I believe that the song of the Lord is what ushers in the second coming. So we were talking about the three different stage, the three different stages and what they look like. Um, so I want to major on the initial stage in this session. How do we prophesy? I mean, this is something that we, we think about a lot. We talk about a lot, prophetic singing, you know, prophets, da, 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 da. But how the heck do you do it? You know what I mean? What are we talking about? What does all this language really mean? What does it mean to be a prophetic singer? It's not only just being a singer. It's not only being a musician, but it's being a carrier of the very presence of the uncreated God. And the only possible way to become a a conduit, so to speak, of the presence of God is if you live in his presence day after day after day after day. And how many of you are musicians? So everybody, almost everybody. There's nothing worse than a flaky musician. (laughs) I believe there's nothing worse, I'll say it again, than a flaky musician. And I live with musicians. I'm around musicians all the time. I am a musician. And most of the musicians that I know do not know the word of God at all. And they mostly think it's for the teachers. It's for the, it's for somebody else. And they hardly even sit through the sermons. They play their little shindig and then they're out the back door to McDonald's and they're back for ministry time. I mean, so few of them even listen to the word of God. And my challenge for you today is that you would become a man and a woman of the word of God. If you want to be a prophetic musician, a prophetic singer, you must be a person of the word of God. You may not ever stand in front of people and expound upon the text, you know, line upon line. You may not be a teacher or a preacher, but if the word of God is not flowing in you, I promise you that the, that the prophetic music will not flow in you either. They're one, they're synonymous. He wants people who can carry his presence. He wants people who can carry his heart. And the only way that you're going to know his heart as a musician is if you read the transcript of his soul. I love how Mike talks about the word of God being the transcript of God's soul. 
I think sometimes we accuse God way too much. We accuse God of being far away. We accuse God of being silent. We accuse God of being so hard to understand when he would look at us and say, I've given you my word. I mean, I've given you from Genesis to Revelation. And in every phrase, there's like a whole world of truth. He goes, you want to know me? You want to know me? He's relational. He goes, come after me. You want to know me? Come after me. Get in the word of God. We cannot be prophetic singers. And I can't say it enough. We cannot be prophetic musicians if we are not men and women of the word. We can practice and practice and practice and grow and grow and learn music and understand music, which we should do that. We can do that until we're blue in the face. But if we do not have the word of God, we will not usher in the presence of God. How many of you want to usher in the presence of God? I mean, like for real usher in the presence of God. And the session before we were talking about how imagining like in Katrina, you know, if there was a, if there was a great crisis like Katrina in that arena, you know, when they were all crammed together in that arena and they say chaos broke out and there's so much fear and, and anger and anxiety and all of these things. And imagining if there was a handful of people with guitars in that place singing and in Psalm 22, 3, when it says that he inhabits the praises of his people and God shows up because little Davy or little Susie in the corner is singing. I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. You are good. Your mercy endures. We want your presence here singing little songs in the midst of a congregation. And then God shows up. Can you imagine how it would change the atmosphere? And then I think of the presence worship when signs and wonders start happening, when people get delivered, when men are set free at the heart level, they come in with all kinds of addictions. They come in with all kinds of shame and all kinds of sin. And then the guitar player starts playing and suddenly they begin to get delivered. The drummer's playing a rhythm that the singer's prophesying truth and suddenly they're being delivered. The heavy weight of God comes into a room. We're talking about presence worship. How many of you have heard some of the prophecies? I don't know if you're familiar, some of the prophecies out of this place, that presence worship. In fact, it's, it's right here in, in Bartle Hall, which is the building right next to the arena. It's been prophesied that that, that, that uh, Bartle Hall would be filled with, is it Bartle Hall that's 40,000? Yeah. So it's Bar- Bartle Hall would be filled with 40,000 people and presence worship. And we've had some of our prophetic people who have seen visions like back in 82. I'm not talking about like last week. We're talking about 82, like way before we were ever in these buildings and saw visions of um, that whole arena being filled with men and women like like us. And then the Lord showing up in presence and men and women getting delivered and healed and saved because the prophetic spirit comes upon the musicians. This is like my, my dream of my heart to one day enter into such a a spirit of prophecy that God shows up in a tangible kind of way. But how do we start? How do we get this thing going? Like, where do we begin? And I had Paula share at the end of the the last session, and she was talking about being in the Word. You can jot these things down if you want. They're pretty obvious. But being in the Word, fellowshipping with the Holy Spirit, and living a Sermon on the Mount lifestyle. You think, why isn't she talking about, like, music? Why isn't she talking about something that we can we can do with our hands. I'm telling you, if you don't embrace these three things, you will not become a prophetic musician. First, I want to talk about prophecy. After those three things, anybody who wants to prophesy, whether you're a singer, a musician, or you're a speaker, you have to enter into the lifestyle of the prophetic. 
In 1 Corinthians 14:31, it says that anybody can prophesy. You know, in the Old Testament, there was one prophet and all the people stood and listened to the one prophet. You know, it was Moses between God and man and they listened. In the New Testament, it says that all can prophesy. It says that he will pour out his spirit on all flesh and the sons and daughters will prophesy. And to prophesy, it's the Hebrews reality. Whenever it says that Jesus will stand in the congregation and sing praises to the father. I mentioned this earlier. How is he going to sing praises to the father in the midst of the congregation through you and through me? It's the spirit of prophecy. It's the testimony of Jesus. And everybody can do it and everybody should do it. In first Corinthians 12, 31 it says that, that we have to be earnest. We have to eagerly desire. Are you eagerly desiring to prophesy? Or is it just, well, if it happens, it happens. If I prophesy, I prophesy. I just hope I sound good and I hope I look good. <laughs> or if you do, are you eager to prophesy? Do you have a groaning in your heart to be that conduit of God's presence? Do you have this longing for something more than just your latest cool chord progression? Do you have a longing to prophesy? Do you have a groan inside of you? Do you have a reach that says, I am not satisfied with just music. I'm not satisfied with, with the cool stuff that I've been doing. I'm not satisfied. I want to prophesy. Do you have this groan inside of you? It starts with the groan. It starts with the reach. And that's what he said in first Corinthians 12 31, that we would be earnest to prophesy. Some people think it's not humble to, to eagerly desire to prophesy. Like it's some grand thing that we shouldn't reach for but to prophesy is to interact with god i want to interact with god like i i'm not in this for any other reason than that interaction how about you i mean i want i want to talk to him and i want to hear him i want to relate to him and i want to be that mouthpiece i want to prophesy i'm 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 earnest for it i continually stir up myself to for that gift i want to prophesy even if it's little i just want a little touch i want a little thought i want a little emotion i want to prophesy so we have to be earnest to prophesy. In 1 Corinthians 14, 1, he also says the same thing. He has earnestly desire these spiritual gifts. So what, this is a very practical, very practical session. So what is the first step to prophecy? After you're living the lifestyle, you're in the word of God, you're fellowshipping with the Holy Spirit. So now you're, you're on stage and there you are and you've got the lifestyle to back you up. What do you do? There you are. You what? Take risk. You do take risk. Anybody else? Listen. You ask for it. All of those are true answers. You take risk. You listen. You ask for it. I think the, fir- the first thing that I have to do is dial down. <laughs> Calm down, oh my soul. Oh, traffic within my brain. Calm down. <laughs> You can't really connect with God until you calm down. And that doesn't mean sleepy music and, and you know, all of a sudden you're, you're in meditation land. That just means calm the traffic of your soul. You know the soul traffic and you're, you're wondering what they're thinking and you're wondering if you're going to be on pitch when you start singing and you're wondering, da 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 and you have all of these this traffic and you have the, the traffic of the day, you know, wet, weighing down on you. I think the first thing to do is to, to calm down, dial down. You know, the spirit is right here. He lives within us, like for real, the real person of the Holy Spirit. There really is another personality, the person of the Holy Spirit who lives inside of us. And he's eager to reveal to us the deep things of God. In 1 Corinthians, it says that he's, he searches the depths of God and he wants to reveal it to us. 
if you calm down and you set your mind on the Holy Spirit, you set your, you set your mind on things above, you set your mind on that, that third person of the Trinity who dwells inside of you and you ask him for impressions, you ask him for a picture, you ask him for uh, just a phrase, you ask him for a scripture, he will talk to you. Do you ever talk to the Holy Spirit? He will talk to you. He wants to reveal to you the deep things of God. And the, the, the chariot he rides best in is the word of God. If your mind is, fi- is flooded with the word of God, and then you go to that person, the Holy Spirit, and you ask him to breathe upon uh, an idea, he will do it. He's as eager for you to prophesy as you are eager to prophesy. I mean, he's like, I picture the Holy Spirit sometimes in our worship times. He's like pressing against the ceiling. You know, you f- I feel like if, you, if there was a glass, you know, like a big window above us, you, you get his picture of his face is like smashed against the window. <laughs> I always get that picture of the Holy Spirit. He's like, let me in. I want to say something. Roll down the window. And I think the way <laughs> he's eager, he's really eager. And I think the way that we hear and the way we wrote on that window, so to speak, is by calming down. Again, I'm not talking about lazy music. I'm talking about calm down. You can't hear him if you're, if you're so full of your own soul traffic. And I think the way that we do this, you don't just automatically do it once you get on stage and now is your chance to calm down. You've got to practice his presence. You've got to practice his presence. Does that make sense? Practice being in the presence of God. When you're, when you're in a prayer room or when you're in a worship set and maybe you're not singing or whenever you're at home, whenever you're driving, whenever you're shopping, whatever you're doing, practice his presence. And you know how you practice his presence? You set your mind on him. You acknowledge him as a real person who really will speak to you. You, you open up your, your, your inner man to him. You acknowledge him. And you can do that anywhere. And you specifically do it through the word of God. You take the word of God and you, you look at it and you meditate on it. And then you think about him. And you can practice his presence, for lack of a better term, anywhere. If you live in his presence, then whenever you get on a, in a microphone, or even when you're in your, your own private worship time, it'll become the overflow of your heart instead of freaking out at the last minute and, and trying to get his presence to show up. You know, I do that so many times, like live, live in the rat race and just kind of ah, the wild of life, you know, and, and I go in all ADD and high on coffee, you know, and I'm like, okay, 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 here I am. And I'm ready to prophesy. What do you want to say? And he's like, I can't even get through all the cobwebs of your mind. We want to be a people who practice his presence. We want to be a people who live communing with the Holy Spirit, fellowshipping with the Holy Spirit, as Paul, Paul said. He said to fellowship with the Holy Spirit. I love that phrase, to encounter him. Let him become your best friend. Let him become your closest companion, the one that sticks closer than a brother. The Holy Spirit is a real person, and he really lives inside of you. And he really wants to reveal what Jesus is thinking in John, it says that whenever Jesus is about to die and, and go and he goes, he goes, I will send to you the spirit of truth. He will lead you into all truth. He will tell you of what I've said. He will remind you of me because I will send you the helper. We are not alone in this. We're not just in some kind of wilderness, you know, singing to the ethereal God that we can't see. We're not just looking at Jesus like some far off, you know, I hope you're up there somewhere and you can hear me. We have the Holy Spirit. 
As prophetic musicians and prophetic singers, we must be a people who commune with the Holy Spirit, who fellowship with the Holy Spirit, who live our lives to not grieve the Spirit. Do you know that if, if we live in compromise, which all of us, this is, this goes without saying, but I'm gonna say it anyway. If we live in compromise, and I know these times of compromise, it grieves the Holy Spirit. But when you touch fellowship with God, when you touch fellowship with the Holy Spirit, you will do anything to not grieve him because there's nothing better than that sweet fellowship, that sweet fellowship. But the first thing you got to do again is dial down and focus. Sometimes when I, when I meditate, when I focus on the spirit, I picture like a burning flame on the inside. It talks about how the spirit is like, like a fire or like a light. And I'll, I'll meditate on that burning light within me. I'll meditate on the Holy spirit as my best friend, as my, the friend of the bridegroom, so to speak. The first thing you got to do is dial down. And then often, like in a worship set, I, I, I'm a visual person. How many of you are visual? I don't mean with my eyes open. I mean my mind's eye. I just see pictures. I'm a very, I just see things in picture form. Often I'll get a picture or I'll get a scripture or I'll just get a seed phrase, you know, just one little phrase. Like one time I was up at the front and I'm doing a devotional. So it's just me and the keyboard. And I'm singing and singing and singing. And I open my eyes and I, I see this guy. I don't know him at all. I don't know him. I never saw him. I've never seen him since. And he walks in the back of the prayer room. And I, when I saw him, I felt the Holy Spirit. Like I felt him. You get that little nervous feeling like, ah! I, I felt the Holy Spirit. And, and I just got a phrase in my mind. And so I just started singing over the guy. And he didn't know it. I wasn't like, you in the back. I'm going to now prophesy over you. I wasn't like that. I just started singing. And I, I didn't say his name. I didn't know his name. I didn't call him out. I just started singing over him. Like in the first person, God. You know, I was singing, I am da 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 I'm with you. I can't remember what I said. And I went on for like, like a long time. As soon as I started singing, the guy, he sits down. And I sing a couple phrases. The next thing I know, he puts his hands in his face and he's sobbing and he's sobbing and he's sobbing. And I sing for like 15 or 20 minutes just straight over him. And then I I end and I move on. As soon as I move on, he gets up and he walks out of the room. He had no idea that I knew I was singing over him. But sometimes the Lord, if you're, if you're open, if you're that, that conduit, so to speak, if you're willing to roll down the window, if you're willing to let the Holy Spirit in, he will highlight somebody in the room or he'll give you a phrase or he'll give you a picture. It's so simple and anybody can do it. And especially if you use, you should, you should always use the language of the scripture. It's the language of God's heart. You know, he gave us the scriptures for a reason. You don't want to just get off in, into ethereal land because it won't make, it won't make sense to anybody. But take a picture and then put the, put the word of God to it or get the scripture and then start singing it and developing it. And, and like you said, take a risk. Like I had to take a risk when I saw that guy. I had to take a risk and just start singing what I was thinking. I just sang what I was thinking pretty much. And the Lord was on it because I had been in the the flow of the spirit. So once you dial down, then you get the impression. And maybe you're a musician and you're not a singer. Like sometimes I I really push my musicians to do this as well. I want us to do this more. Like I'll I'll just be listening. We'll kind of be like hovering and like maybe we're on a B minor or something. And then Seth, my electric guitar player, he'll, he'll just start this like little melody or whatever. And, and it'll, I'll, I'll feel the Holy Spirit on it. And I'm not saying it's like hugely mystical. It's incredibly practical. It's not like, 
I'm having great experience. It's just a small impression, just a small thing, very, very small. And I'll say like, play that again, like do that again, because there's so much life on, on a melody or life on a rhythm. So even as musicians, maybe you don't have a a mic, you're not vocal, vocalizing anything, but communing with the Holy Spirit as a musician is incredibly, incredibly powerful. Because again, who can express the emotions of God more than a musician can? I mean, even more than a singer expressing the emotions of God. I mean, music is like so intensely powerful. You can express joy or anger or, or, you know, there's so many different, or sadness. There's all these emotions that can be expressed just from a melody line, you know, just from a rhythm, just from a a sound. I mean, sound is so incredibly powerful. I want musicians, I want to play and sing with musicians who fellowship with the Holy Spirit, I'm not into just the coolest sound or the coolest riff. You know, I want people who are opening that door. So you get the picture. You get the, you get the small impression. And then you take a risk. And you jump out and you do it. I find that sometimes I'll get like one little phrase. And then I'm like, oh, okay, here we go. You know, and I'll, I'll do the oracle sign that we have. We have a lot of communication that we do in, in our IHOP model. So I'll give the oracle sign. I'm going to do this oracle. And I'll jump out there with my one sentence. And I find, you know, and, and Isaiah talks about having the tongue of the learned. And I've heard somebody, exp- I don't know, there's probably many ways to, to preach on that. But I've heard a, a guy one time said that the tongue of the learned was when you learn by talking. You know, when you start talking, all of a sudden you get revelation. Or when you're singing and you're like, oh, I never thought about that before. And you're just saying things and it's like coming out of your mouth and you're like, ah, well, somebody can somebody write that down quick. You know, that's a good one. Somebody remember that one, that kind of revelation that you get once you, once your tongue starts moving. Sometimes I get that not all the time, but when I'm wanting to prophesy, I'll step out with just that one sentence and then it'll unfold and unfold and unfold and unfold and to a real, like I'm into the spirit of prophecy. And sometimes with our teams, because we have such a team dynamic, like I'll sing a song, you know, a, a 30 second song and then Paula will sing a song and then Courtney will sing a song and we bounce back and forth like this and we're building on top of each other and we're, we're explaining the scripture one right after the other. So you do have to take a risk and just step out there. You know, I've flopped more times than I have flown by far, by far. My motto is if I flop, I flop. That's my motto. In all of the music that I've ever done in worship, I, if I flop, I flop. I mean, like, who really cares at the end of the day? So you, you got up to the microphone, you sang the song, didn't have a lot of oomph on it. You sit down. Nobody even remembers the next day. I mean, nobody really cares. Like, take a risk. Take a risk. It takes a hundred prophetic songs to get one that had oomph on it. Does that make sense? It takes a hundred guitar melodies to get one that had oomph on it. <laughs> But you got to do the hundred to get the one. You got to be faithful with the hundred. You got to be faithful in the small. You got to be faithful, 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 faithful. There's no way around it. There's no way around it. So I think about you have to, we have to do our part. Like the Lord's not just going to pour out his, uh, his spirit. I mean, he's going to do that to a certain extent. But if we don't do our part, like we were talking about in the previous session, you know, the stadium Christianity that's coming, that's culminating at the second coming of Jesus. All of that is not going to happen unless we are faithful with our little worship teams. How many of you are on a worship team actually right now? How many of you feel small? It's a, you're at the beginning stages. 
this is where it starts. Like we have to be faithful with our worship teams. Like if you don't show up day after day after day, it's not going to just all of a sudden be upon you. We have to be faithful in the small. We have to be faithful in the small when it's a little bit frustrating, when it's a little bit seems like it's not really doing much, you know. I think that that faithfulness is the number one uh, place that I see if people come and go through IHOP a lot, a whole lot. And I think faithfulness is the number one thing that, that we lack with diligence in the small because we get the grand picture. Again, like I was talking about in the, the previous session, we get the big picture and we don't want to sing Psalm 23 at two o'clock Wednesday afternoon for two hours on the same chord progression that we've been singing Psalm 23 at two o'clock on Wednesday for the past three years. You know, we don't want to do it again. And something in us gets so frustrated and the Lord sees that and he goes, take the frustration and move forward. You know what I'm saying? Like take the tension that you feel that frustrated place where you are musically, you're, you're musically frustrated, you're spiritually frustrated, you're just all around frustrated. Take that tension and let it move you forward instead of backwards. Like do something about it. If you don't want to sing Psalm 23 at two o'clock on Wednesday, like you've been for the past three hours, three years, do something about it. Like learn some new music, you know, take a risk, (laughs) do something. If we're frustrated, it's because we need to do something about it. We need to move forward. We need to move forward in skill and we need to move forward in the word of God. And we need to move forward in our relationship There is no way that a relationship with God can ever get boring if we keep it alive and vibrant. To say that worship is boring is a direct insult to God. And I've said it before, but it's a direct insult to God. Worship should never be boring because we're talking about the uncreated God. I don't mean you're going to be on the, the heights of ecstasy by any means, but there should be at least an exercise of the muscle of reaching for him. We have to do our part. Doing our part includes making decisions to deny ourselves. I'm just going to read through this paragraph here. To deny ourselves, if you want to write these down. There's five different, different points that I think doing our part means. It means making decisions to deny ourselves, saying no to sin and to pride. As musicians and singers, I think one of our biggest proneness is pride. And I don't mean like, oh, I'm so great, like here I am. I mean, I'm so horrible, I'm never doing that again. That's pride. That's really where we slip off the the slope more. Most of us are not going to get puffed up thinking that we're so good. I mean, the majority of us are incredibly insecure, right? I mean, we're not that confident in our voices. We're not that confident in our skill. None of us are. So most of us are not getting puffed up on that end of the spectrum. The other end that we're getting puffed up in pride is by saying, I don't want to be small. I don't want to be, I want to be better than this. I'm not doing it at all. That's arrogance. We have to deny it. We have to say, no, I'm going to take whatever the Lord's given me, as small as it may be, and I'm going to do it. I'm going to sing my song. I'm going to play my instrument. I'm going to take the risk. I'm going to be small. If small is what it is, I'm going to be small. Like, who cares? I'm just going to exercise the muscle. That's pr- so we have to say no to pride. The second thing, which I've already mentioned, is we have to feed our spirit on the word. We have to. And I've already hit that, but that's one of my passions. We have to feed our spirit on the word. And we have, the third thing is we have to ask for help. You know, we can't do this on our own. There's no way that where this thing is going with the rage of Satan that he's, you know, vomiting out on the planet. I mean, he is angry. He knows that Jesus is on his way back and he is angry about it. He knows that he's about to be thrown into the pit 
and locked there and he's angry. He's vomiting all kinds of accusations against the church and against God. And we're getting the brunt of it. There's no way we can go against that rage of Satan. There's no way we can go against the sin of man, the sin of our own flesh. There's no way we can go against it if we don't ask for help. As singers and musicians, we have to ask for help. How do you do that? Through prayer and fasting. And then the next thing is we have to embrace serving. Servanthood. 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 (laughs) Singers and musicians who do not embrace the spirit of servanthood. I mean, even as a musician, do you know how I feel so bad for my musicians sometimes? Because as the leader, I have to say where we're going to go a lot of times. And there, you feel the frustration of, I've played Blessed Be Your Name a billion times, and you're telling me that you want to do that song again. You know, you get this frustration. But if we embrace servanthood, the Lord breathes on it. He really does. I mean, even as a worship leader, it'd be so fun to just go creative. And, you know, and some of that the Lord wants, wants to to give us, but sometimes I'm just so, I just want to like, bah, break out the box, you know, and, and just go and, and wherever I think I would go, I don't even know, but I just go. And the Lord's like, if you'll sing simple choruses, if you'll sing simple songs, if you'll get the people to open their mouths and sing with you, I will show up, but it takes humility. I mean, our creative side wants to do so much other things. And the Lord, again, he wants to breathe on that, but we have to embrace servanthood. As worship leaders, you have to embrace servanthood. You are there to open the door for God, between God and the people. You are there to lift the people up into the presence of God. You're not there to show off your, your, your greatest thing. You have to embrace servanthood. You get to embrace servanthood. I mean, Jesus did. He's the uncreated God, and he came as a servant. This is the greatest expression of love. If you want to express your love to the Lord, you want to express the romance of the gospel, embrace servanthood to the nth degree. The next thing we have to do is in our relationships, we have to confess. We have to, we have to be in a, an environment where we're not letting strongholds be built in our hearts. We have to be confessing. The next thing is we have to be watchful in the spirit, which is what I was talking about earlier, cultivating that spirit of prophecy. If we do our part, if we do these things, God will do his part. He definitely will do his part. So I'll give you a couple of practicals and I'm going to have Courtney come up a couple of practicals on how to prophesy when you're sitting in a set. So I do, I'm on two, two worship teams and I've been on three. So I've sang for hours a week for the past seven years. I mean, hours and hours a week. And how do you stay fresh? Like, how do you come up with melody lines? How do you come up with language? How do you come up with, with the creative, the creativity that it takes to sustain a life of worship? One of the things that I do is I really pay attention, like as a singer, I really pay attention to the music. Like I often sing off the bass line or I'll sing off of a certain rhythm that Paco is doing on the drums. I'll pick up on the rhythm and sing to it because otherwise you get really stuck. Like melodically, you get really stuck. How many of you singers again? How many of you find that melody is hard? You just kind of find yourself within the same five notes that you were, you've been on. Listen to the music and sing to the melody of the music. Does that make sense? Like the piano player will be playing something and they, they often will find a cool melody or something. You can pick up on it and take it and put words to it, express it. Um, another way that I do it, again, is getting a picture. Another way that I do it is I, I just sing the word. Like I just take the Bible like this, just like this. 
take Psalm 45 and just start singing it word for word. My heart overflows with a noble theme. I express my heart concerning the king. My tongue is the pen of a ready writer. Da, 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 da. And then I start asking myself the question, okay, my heart overflows with a noble theme. What the heck does that mean? <laughs> My heart overflows with a noble theme. So I sing it again. And I ask the Holy Spirit, what the heck does that mean? My heart overflows with a noble theme. My heart is stirred within me. And you start expounding on the text. Does that make sense? My heart is moving within me. My heart burns within me. My soul is is overflowing. My heart is overflowing. Da, 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 da. And you start expounding on it, on phrase by phrase. And before you know it, you've, you have a song behind every phrase of the psalm. Does that make sense? So then you go on to, to, uh, you are fairer than the sons of men. You are fairer than who talks like that? Like, what does that mean? (laughs) You are fairer than the sons of men. Okay. You are fairer than the sons of men. What does that mean? I asked myself the question. What does that mean? You are fairer than the sons of men. You are better than all of them. You are beautiful. You are excellent. You are the one I want. You're the one that satisfies, etc., etc., etc. You start taking the scripture. I would, I would do it in the privacy of your own home. Even I used to do this when I was like 14 and 15. I would sit in my closet. I literally had a piano in the closet, and I would. It was. I don't know how it, we ever got it in there, and I don't know how we got it out. It could still be there. <laughs> But there was a piano. Maybe they built it in the closet. I don't know how I got there, but we got a piano in a closet. It was a very small uh, room, really, is what it was. And I used to take take it and just just do just that. Take your two chords that you know. Take your five chords and just take the text. Move down it line upon line upon line. You will write so many songs. How many of you are songwriters? You will write so many songs if you do this. I promise you. Instead of just starting from totally scratch, instead of starting from nothing and or even just the human emotion, start with the word of God and then tear it apart line upon line upon line. You'll be shocked at how much language you get. You'll be shocked at how the language of your heart will change and become the language of his heart. I really, it's that sounds so simple, but really that is the most practical thing that I could tell you to walk away with, to get into the bigger realms that we're talking about. If you want to start small and don't despise it as again, like I said earlier in Zechariah, it talks about not despising the day of small beginnings. You can't despise the day of small beginnings. It is really, really small, really small. When I'm in Podunkville, West Texas, sitting in my closet at a piano and I'm singing with two chords, you know, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want and I'm moving the heart of God, like for real. And God's moving my heart. It counts massively. And, and like I said earlier, these are the hearts that the Lord is looking for at such a time as this. that He's going to pour out his spirit upon you in Podunkville, working the night shift. He's going to pour out his spirit upon you. And he's going to usher in the second coming. But we have to be faithful in the small. And that's the main thing I wanted to say in the second session is being faithful in the small. And so I'm gonna have Courtney come up. She's one of our prophetic singers, our section leader. She's been at IHOP for four years, five years, four years. And she's a good friend of mine. So she's going to kind of give you a rundown of what she does, why she does it. Thank you, Misty. Again, my name is Courtney Dunstan and I've, I was at the one thing conference in 2002. It was over in Bartle hall and maybe some of you can relate to this story. Literally, I remember walking into the building 
And I'd never heard, I'd never been to IHOP before. I'd never heard harp and bowl music before. I'd never even really heard the phrase. I didn't really know what it meant. But I walked into Bartle Hall and I saw the singers and they were set up differently than, than the way a normal worship team is. And so that was interesting. So they got my attention. And I started listening to them bounce back and forth between the prayer leader and the singers. And I, I was just stuck watching them and listening. And, and within my spirit, I felt I, I was made to do that. In that moment, everything in my life seemed to make sense, the, the journey that I had been on. Because I grew up in church. My mom was a, a choir director. She was a music teacher, a voice teacher. And so I grew up literally in the church, and I grew up uh, just steeped in music. And the only thing that I could think to do with that was to, you know, either grow up and be a choir director in church or go be a missionary and, and lead music, lead worship out on the mission field. That's the only thing I could think to do. But when I walked into Bartle Hall and I heard the singers, the Holy Spirit was, was, uh, revealing to me that this is what I was made for that all those times, all those hours spent in choir, all those times and uh, hours and hours of practice and, and voice lessons, it was unto something greater than a CD and a, a tour somewhere. I remember in 1994 standing in New York City on a, in a, in a huge uh, concert hall. And at the end of the concert, it was, it was the greatest point in my life up until that, up until that moment. But I remember as I was in a choir and as we, we turned to walk off stage at the end of the concert, my heart sunk as the, the lights began to go out and we walked off the stage and I just thought, this, this is it. It's, it's over. It's ended. And even now when I listen to that, uh, that CD from the, actually it was a tape, listen to that tape from that concert back then. I, and, and people around me are like, Oh, that that's amazing music. It, some, it doesn't satisfy me because it ended. It was one concert and it ended and it was the greatest thing that I can think to do. in one of the greatest concert halls in this world and it ended, it all faded away. And so my history is that the reason why I, I give myself year after year to singing and I, I don't have any aspirations to go anywhere else or do anything else with the rest of my life, but to, to sit in those blue chairs and to sing to the Lord, I want to give myself to something greater. I've always loved music and there's a reason why there's every culture on the planet has music because music is powerful. There's in Revelation four, we see the throne room and we see that there's music all around God's throne. He could have put whatever he wanted around the throne as the creator God. And he decided to establish day and night music around his throne. He put that desire within us to be musical, to sing, to play instruments. And this is, this is what I want to give my life to, but not just music. I feel that when I, when I sing the word of God, my heart comes alive on the inside. And so back to 2002, I'm, I'm walking in DeBartle Hall. My heart feels stirred within me, Psalm 45, and I didn't even know it. Um, I took home with me from that conference one of Dwayne Roberts' CDs, and it's harp and bowl music. It's one thing I desire. I listened to that CD for a month and memorized every little short prophetic song. I could sing it you know, front to back. I knew the whole thing, but I still didn't really get what they were doing. And this is all part of the reason why, how the Lord hooked me into being here. 
a, a, a few weeks later, after I was memorizing this whole CD, I had my Bible out and I was reading Psalm 103. And verse 14 says, he remembers that we are dust. And I remembered that that was a line that one of the girls had sung on the CD. And suddenly it, it struck me. I, I did not understand this before. I really didn't know it because I didn't know the, the word very well. It struck me. They're singing the word spontaneously. I'd, I'd sat through that three, four day conference, not even realizing because I didn't know the word very well, that the singers were singing the word. I don't know what I thought they were doing, just singing cool phrases or, you know, singing stuff they'd practiced before. It struck me, these men and women know the word well enough that they can sing it spontaneously. They can start a chord progression and just start singing the word. How are they doing that? It amazed me and it put a desire in my heart to know the word. Because at that time I was, I was leading worship at, I had graduated from college and I was leading a, a high school youth group. And so I was leading worship and, and I remember my little panic prayers on Sunday night, right before youth group started of, Oh God, you know, I need to be prophetic now, you know, help me, give me grace. And then in the middle of leading worship, I remember the, Oh God, Oh God, Oh God. I need something. What are you saying right now? What are you saying? What are you saying? What are you... And it was panic. And Misty talked about the traffic in our heart. I felt that every week. One, because I didn't know the word very well. And two, because I'd never really fellowshiped with the Holy Spirit. Meaning, talking to God, living within me, becoming a friend of God. And so, these were the two things. Uh, the other question Misty asked me was, uh, how do you prepare to sing prophetically? And so this is one of the things, uh, the two things that I came to Kansas City with on my heart. I said, Lord, I want to know the word. I want the word of God written on my heart, not just memorized like some Bible drill. I want the word written on my heart so that I can live out of your word. And number two, I want to be rooted and grounded in love. Those are the two uh, two points of focus that I moved to Kansas City with and that I still live out of daily. And so knowing the word is, is spending time daily. It really is not just the 15 minute quiet time anymore. It's, it's spending hours with the Lord. And then wherever you are and whatever you're doing, it's carrying that one verse. It's having that, that one verse burning in you at all times, asking the Lord, what do you mean by that? What are you saying through that? And two, uh, being rooted and grounded in God's love means, means being confident, there's, there's a huge part of singing that has to do with confidence. And it's every believer. Every believer needs to know the word and needs to, uh, be rooted and grounded in God's love. But how much more the singers? How much, how much more the ones who are listening to God and then speaking to the people and then hearing the groan of the people and then speaking to God? We need to be confident in love. One of the things that I always say is that if Satan wants to shut down the prayer room, all he has to do is keep the singer silent. And so many times standing up there on that line, I get hit. All of the singers, we get hit by just this barrage of accusations. They're unfounded, but so many times I just, I just believe it. You know, just the worship leader just really just hates me. She just hates me. And the chorus leader must really just think I'm a terrible singer because she never lets me really sing. Every time I start singing, she sings on top of me. I just really, I just really, you know what? Why am I even up here? You know, we just get all these, I'm never going to be able to, you know, we get all these accusations and they're, they're lies. They're those fiery darts that are hitting us. And it's because the enemy hates what we're doing. He hates 
the Lord coming and being enthroned in our praises and he tries to keep us silent. But what happens is when we become confident in love, we begin to recognize God's heart for us and we recognize the lies. Unless we know the truth, we can't recognize the lies. We don't study the lies. We go and we study the truth. We study God's heart for us. And so then when those lies hit us, we can just totally dismiss us, dismiss them and continue singing the truth. And this is a huge thing, confident in love. In the end times, singers and, and preachers, messengers are going to be speaking the most difficult message ever in the most difficult hour in history. And unless we're confident in love, we will not be able to speak these difficult things. We, we have to learn in the day of peace right now that... We're confident even when we've just, you know, screwed up and we ask for forgiveness and we, we press delete and we enter right then back into being confident in singing the word of the Lord instead of, instead of just putting ourselves in detention and thinking, oh, I can't go up on stage right now and sing the word because I've just done ABCD. You know, we, we ask for forgiveness and then we go right in there and we do exactly what the enemy doesn't want us to do and sing, sing our hearts to the Lord. And so just practically, some of the, the things that I do when I'm up on stage and just preparing is I give myself to the word and just ask the Lord before the sets, you know, Lord, what are you doing in this set? Dialing down is so important. Getting, getting a handle on the emotional traffic that's going through, settling my heart, asking, Lord, what are you doing? And then once I'm up on the stage, I get the impressions, I get the pictures, but another thing, you know, Jesus went so many times when he healed, he, his heart was moved with compassion. So many times I look out in our congregation and whether it's somebody, a friend of mine on staff or whether it's a, a, you know, a visitor will walk in and I'll just feel God's heart for them. I feel his compassion and maybe I don't have a specific phrase, but I'll just use that emotion that I have, attach a scripture to it and just sing it out. And so one of the things that I want to encourage you with, Misty said over and over again how important the word is. I want to just assure you that the word is very prophetic. The word of God is very prophetic. So don't feel like you're doing something less than by singing the word. The word is very prophetic. If you, we will sing, we will sing this word all through the end of this age and all through the ages to come. It is very prophetic. And so some of the ways that we, um, when we're up on the stage, that we sing prophetically is we'll sing the scripture just verbatim. We'll sing it word for word. And then another thing we'll do is, is we will take the passage and put it, put it in our own words. Just paraphrase it. And then the last thing we'll do is we will we'll bring in other cross-references that go along with that verse. And so I just want to encourage you, this is something that you can do at home. I started, I would sit at the piano bench with my mom and she would play a chord progression and we'd pull out Psalm 23 and we would just start singing it verse by verse. And I would kind of be the prayer leader and the chorus leader and we would sing together back and forth. But you can do this at home by yourself or with your group of friends and, you know, say, hey, I'm going to be the chorus leader this time or whatever. And it doesn't have to be in this huge room, you know, of 24 hour prayer and worship. You can do this. And so I just encourage 
encourage you that even if you start in a, in a small place, a place of small beginnings at home in your closet, the Lord desires to speak. And one of the things that, uh, the Lord wants to do is he wants to use you to prophesy to other people, but he also wants to prophesy you to prophesy to your own soul, just like David. And so many times when I'm up on that stage, I'm prophesying to myself. I feel so much more encouraged and built up after I've been up on that stage for two hours. And so I just encourage you on this journey.